Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. And wherever you are, good evening. I'm your boy, Christian Israel, and you are tuned into Christ and Crypto in the Morning, guys. This is a place where we come to discuss every single day, 9 a.m. live, Monday through Friday, about what's going on in the markets in threes. And this section here is the first of the three sections where we kind of dive into the daily topics. So if you're here just for this little snippet, please do the social media thing, like, subscribe. We're all over the place. I just did a whole long list. Wherever you can find podcasts, you can find us. Please know that this channel is not sponsored, so any like, subscribe, sharing, social media thing you can do, appreciate it. Really, the comments also help. So, like I said, we're going to dive into that stuff today, but let's go ahead and jump into some of the other mainstream news and go from there, okay? So, Here's one, and just to let you know what direction we're going, I don't think anybody who listens to this is surprised, but 40% of American crypt holders earn over 100K, according to the Federal Reserve. So why is this the video that we are talking about in this moment? Well, let me explain to you why. Gary Gensler wants to move accredited investors to over $5 million to be considered an accredited investor, okay? $5 million plus. In other words, if you don't make that much, then he doesn't want you in crypto or anything in the equities market. What I say here is shame on you, Gary Gensler, because with you making those statements, you also have made this statement, that you understand that 40% of Americans that aren't over 100000 Right? Or crypto. Now, how many of those Americans that make over a hundred thousand make over five million? Maybe a percent of those forty thousand, forty percent of Americans. Not to mention twenty-nine percent of those of Americans under fifty K own crypto. So he's here to protect you from making any money. Uh I'll just put that out there. Like right now. When I got into crypto, I was not worth anything, nothing. I would not qualify as an accredited investor in 2016. In fact, every way I did and moved my crypto in 2016 would be considered illegal today, although I paid my taxes on all my crypto and all my expenses. It would be considered illegal security movements today, according to Gary Gensler. Just know, we thought this guy was a friend of ours. He is not a friend of crypto. In fact, he's a friend of the wealthy, Wall Street, and banks. But you know what you do? You keep your friends close and your enemies closer. This is why we are watching what he does. And where he's at. Okay? So, let's move on. Speaking of, just want to show you. We talked about Michael Jordan launching NFTs on the XRP Ledger. Right? Now you've got Mike, Mike, Magic Johnson, Michael Irving. Is it Michael Irving? Yeah. Magic Johnson. Or no, Irving Johnson. <laughs> it's like Michael Irving, that's the football player. Irving Johnson, Magic Johnson. Out of Michigan State, Lakers legend, Hall of Fame NBA player. Speaking of, go Warriors tonight. Okay. Showcasing that. So it says, Magic Johnson unveiled a new NFT line this week. Sport and NFTs continue to challenge, blah, 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 blah. There will be a total of 1,600 analogy packs issued, and each one will cost 
Okay. It says each pack will have one of four Magic Johnson moments from seasons in which Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA championship. See, something like this, I guess we'll see. I'm not going to go into where I think this would be. I mean, good for you if you buy this and it makes you some money. Good for you. I just want to announce that because it's my job to give you the news. All right. So we talked yesterday. <clears throat> I got you, Rope It Up. I see your three. We got you yesterday, right, where we spoke about GameStop doing uh, NFT wallets. Well, I told you under that, there was a technology, and that technology is Loopring. So I just wanted to share that with you because Loopring is a part of that GameStop launch uh, from the queue. So, so Loopring is about to set an example for first token to complete gaming industry. So just pay attention to that. Loopring is something I've been getting free on publish.org. All right. Another little note here, and as we zoom along because we got a 20-minute video to get to, IMF Chief, IMF Chief Christina G or Christina G. <laughs> having coin in its name doesn't mean Bitcoin is money. Well, having fiat or government behind your name does not make sure it is money either. And my reality to everybody is what is money? That is the biggest question. Because 200 years ago, 400, let's go 400 years ago, Money, U.S. money didn't exist, right? A thousand years ago, paper money didn't exist. So what is money? What is a store of value? What is a monetary unit of exchange? Those are key words that you will hear from them. But what really, guys, is that what does that even mean? What does it even mean? That's what I want to know. What does it even mean? So I just thought I'd share that with you. That the IMF thinks uh, your money is not money and Bitcoin is not money because it has the word coin in it. Just an interesting thought there. I could play that on so many ways. And I'm not going to go into this. I just want to show you that. All right, moving on. Grayscale CEO, recent crypto sell-off hasn't deterred investors. Now, Mike Novogratz has lost $400 million in Luna. GBTC is all the way back tested where it broke out in 2020. We might go over some of that in the charts today. But I just want to share that to you. They're trying to tell you, oh, investors are okay. I'm going to tell you right now. The only investors that I know are okay are the ones I've spoken to last year. Through, walk through all of this. Anybody I told Anybody who thought XRP was going to $25 last week or Bitcoin to $100,000 last year, those are the people who are not doing fine. I'm going to tell you that right now. Everybody has lost money in this market. I have not talked to one person, including myself, who has not lost money in this market. The question is, where are you losing money and how are you losing money? And crypto investors as a whole right now, I would say, are deterred. Let me let me let me scratch that. Back that up. Crypto people who gamble on meme coins and try to play the crypto market like a casino, they are deterred, deterred. They are upset. They are wanting to pull their money. They are angry. But the people who are investing and doing your own research and knowing what they own, those people 
are buying more and more and more and more. Speaking of buying more, Coinbase becomes the first crypto company to steal all your money when they went bankrupt. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, no. My bad, my bad. That's not what I said. Crypto Coinbase becomes the first crypto company to enter the Fortune 500, even though they're down like 80% from their IPO. They IPO them. I own I own shares of Coinbase, and that's down more than any of my crypto. <laughs> Coinbase shares that I own on Robinhood right now are down more, when I bought, are down more than any of my crypto. Do you hear that? Any of my crypto. I didn't think Coinbase could dump the way crypto does. And the stock markets are dumping the way crypto does. Okay, let's move on. Now, World Economic Forum 2022, there's a video out there. I don't know who put it up. Maybe this guy named Christian Israel. Oh, wait, that's me. He put this video out yesterday that has brought all types of attention. Uh, Brad Garlinghouse just went on CNBC and did a little speak yesterday. So instead of reading what this article says, why don't we go ahead and jump on and listen? Let's see if we can get this to play. A couple of reactions. One is in some ways she's in good company. There's others uh, like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger who've made derogatory comments, but not that long ago, Jamie Dimon, someone who said they thought Bitcoin was, I think, a fraud and has subsequently come around and realized that in my judgment, this is an industry that is not going away. It's valued today at about $1.2, $1.3 trillion. But I do think, and I've spoken to Christine Lagarde personally, and I think we, we need to stop measuring it just by what's going on with the overall value and how are these assets being used to solve real-world problems. And I think time and time again, we're seeing more and more real use cases solving real scaled problems where blockchain technologies can reduce friction measured by cost and speed in a way that I think improves the overall economy. Does the fact that um, these 19,000 uh, cryptocurrencies have been largely used as speculative assets do damage to the underlying case that you're arguing for? I think absolutely yes. I, and it's frustrating, you know, I said when there were about 2,000, so as you said correctly, there's about 19,000 today. When there were about 2,000, I got some heat from the crypto market Listen by to this saying guy's that something like 99% of them I thought to would go to zero. And that wasn't a popular statement suggesting that only 20 would be around. Well, now you have 19,000. You know, my, my prediction, at least for now, has been moved the wrong direction. But, you know, there are some tokens out there that I think He's are focused on solving a problem. And those are ones that I can see being used in the future. And we could give a number of different examples. Some of them are present here in Davos. Uh, but there's also ones that I look at, I hear the description, and I don't get it. Uh, and I think there is risk, as Christine Lagarde commented. They're, they're, they are speculative. They are risky. But that doesn't mean there isn't real opportunity. Brad, I find this conversation refreshing. We've spoken to so many crypto comes. experts out there who know nothing about this and who just want the gamification of it. They just want to encourage people into various Ponzi schemes. I, I hear what you're saying. We, we're great fans of what blockchain technology can do. But, but just to categorically say, you think most of these products are just going to disappear and investors are going to lose their money over the coming years? I think there's a high risk that, well, certainly when you say most, more, meaning more than 50%. I think there's a high risk that most of these fails. How many fiat yeah. currencies in the world are there? About 180? Yeah. 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 Uh, look, there is clearly examples where these can be used. What Ripple is doing with our digital asset that we use in our technology stack called XRP mm. is solving a cross-border payments problem. And that cross-border payments problem we all have experienced when you're moving money cross-borders, it is slow and it is typically expensive. 
There's no reason we can't use these technologies to solve that problem. I hear you. And do you know what? I think more regulation, better than we can all know what we're trading with. Why don't you want more regulation on XRP? Why are you in a big fight with SEC's Gary Gensler that's just going on and on? Well, it is going on and on. That's frustrating. Uh, Gary Gensler was quoted as saying that justice delayed is justice denied, yet at every turn the SEC has been slowing this one down. Look, we were the ones advocating for years that we needed regulatory clarity in the United States. And then for the SEC to say, hey, even though it's not clear, we're going to bring a, a civil lawsuit saying that XRP is a security, we find to be a bit ironic. I'm actually advocating for regulatory clarity. I've been but in- not for XRP, XRP to be a security. I think most crypto assets are not securities, and I think they are clearly commodities, and they are regulated. I mean, when people say, as Gary Gensler has said, this is the Wild West, that is not true. These are, we're a regulated company by many different regulatory bodies today, and outside the United States, you have the regulatory clarity. Okay, so I'm not going to go over all of that, and I know you just saw me run away in the video. I literally just knocked over my drink again. <laughs> You saw me run in and out. I am so, I don't know what my problem is, but I keep knocking over my drinks. I'm just bleep. I gotta stop doing that. Okay. <laughs> so we heard him go over everything he goes over. And my big thing here is you can hear, you can hear the interviewer. And I'm glad I had it in my ear still. You can hear the interview. Let me, this guy right here. Let's see if we can find him. Yeah. See this guy right here? That guy. He is all about coming down and trying to, I'm going to ask the tough questions of Ripple CEO. But do you hear these guys going to do that to Jay Clayton or Bill Henman or Joe Lehmanthal from Consensus? Are they asking these guys tough questions? No, but they want to come down on Ripple Brad CEO. And you can tell the guy in the middle here is like, oh, God, really? Like, you're going to act like you're tough now? We know. And Brad's thinking, really? Okay, I got you. You can really see it in the interaction there. So I'm going to continue to clean up my mess here. Uh, we're going to move on to the next video here because this has been circulated and I, and this is a video from somebody else that was able to find it i could not find the full video uh make sure you like and subscribe if you just saw me run for a towel i just ran into my daughter's room and got a towel okay so here we go i want to play this video from jeremy allaire of circle and brad garlinghouse which we talk about so because it's so long i don't want to go in too much and shout out to crypto teacher we appreciate your video for this. So let's go ahead and go live, go long, and let's make sure this is turned up. And let's listen to this interview. Unless it doesn't want me to listen Hold to on. the interview. It's all planned out. You have a wonderful day. Here we go. With everything you just said, and the point that I, you know, jumps out at me the most is in a moment of crisis, these are the kinds of uh, money movements that are the most critical to a population that is most uh, fragile, you know, the WEF's motto is about, you know, improving the world. And I think it's almost a tragedy that the people who can least afford it are the ones paying the most. Looking at your data, you know, we can say that the, the mobile wallet at 1.7% and celebrate that that's much, much, much better. But I would ask the question, like, why isn't it 17 basis points? Like, you know, money today is ones and zeros. 
you can send an email to anywhere in the world for effectively nothing. Why is it even 1.7%? Uh, and I think the, the good news is we can get there. There are hurdles, uh, and more so than anything else, I think the hurdles is the incumbency of existing players, and I mean that as well as to corporates as well as governments, who sometimes don't always have a shared incentive of what's in the best interest of those populations that might be most fragile and in most need of those in a moment of crisis funds from loved ones, home, what have you. Space about nine years ago, and the core belief was that, um, you know, we, we as, as Brad really referenced, um, we've grown up with a world now where um, we can basically transmit data and information and communications instantly to any person anywhere at no cost. Uh, and we take that for granted. And so when there's you know, people who need to engage with, that's, that's freely available. And there's an architecture, there's an internet architecture that made that possible. And so I think uh, what, what got us excited about digital currency as a way to address this issue is the potential that we could get to a place where you could have a dollar that could be transacted and transmitted at internet scale to any person anywhere uh, without permission on a peer-to-peer -peer basis um, at effectively zero cost. And, um, and I think we're actually getting really close to that. Um, there, there are a lot of these uh, last mile issues. Uh, there, there are issues of uh, whether people are, are mobile enabled uh, or do they have to operate in a cash economy. So there's like these bridging uh, of, of the kind of physical currency world and the digital currency world. That's a real barrier as well. Um, but I think fundamentally um, we, we are moving into a world where the concept of a cross-border payment will be as crazy sounding as the concept of a cross-border email. We don't think about cross-border emails. We don't think about having a cross-border web browsing session. It is absurd to think about that. And I believe we're on the cusp of that with money. And, uh, and I think when it comes to remittances, I believe the concept of a remittance will also disappear because we don't think about a long-distance telephone call anymore. We have WhatsApp uh, or whatever we have, and we just make a call, and it works peer-to-peer in a secure, private way with anyone in the world. Money will be the same. So that's what we're working towards. And then I think in terms of the theme of this, of this discussion, I mean, the whole goal here is how can you raise global economic prosperity? How can you help people connect into economic activity more easily, more safely, uh, more securely, uh, and, and, and do that um, you know, without the toll takers uh, who are extracting a rent from them, uh, as Brad said, uh, from the, the members of society that most need every last uh, penny, so to speak. About where the future is going, I, I actually think, you know, and, and partly building on something Jeremy said, I think one of the hardest parts of actually solving this, and it, Jeremy, I think very correctly said it, the word without permission. And I think one of the things we, we lose sight of is I think there's a lot of businesses that have very compelling solutions. You're hearing about some of them here, but governments matter. And we live in a world of government-controlled. The financial systems in G20 markets are re regulated. In that, you know, I'm not even saying it's necessarily a bad thing or good thing. It just is. I don't think that's going to change in my lifetime. And you know, one of the challenges, of course, here are core financial regulations like KYC, know your customer. And a, a regulator hears the expression without permission, they take a deep breath. And they're like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. If that's without permission... I need to know and make sure that that's not money laundering. I need to make sure that's not human trafficking. I need to make sure that's not drug X, Y, and Z. I need to make sure that's not terrorist financing. And I think, you know, just 
regulatory frameworks are obviously there for a reason and to protect various aspects of society. But in this context, it actually is a uh, it's a point of friction that we should just be aware of. And I think if we if we try to proceed in a without permission, I worry that you know that we uh, take one step forward, two steps back. One of Okay, so let me pause right there for a second. You hear a lot of the same language that Jeremy Allaire has been using that Garlinghouse also uses. And that's a big thing to me. Like, if you guys don't believe all of these are together, why are you in this space? Those two are two American companies, BlackRock-backed CBDCs, as so as Accenture uh, with Circle, right? We know Accenture is in bed with Ripple Labs and CME Group and all of these things. The same investors are behind both of these products. And they're using the same exact language. Are you paying attention? I hope so. One of the important things to recognize is, um, you know, cash is a really great product, right? People like cash. It's private. It's secure. It's a bearer instrument. It provides final settlement between you and a counterparty. And there's a reason that people where cash is king, so to speak. And I think there's so much energy in the world aimed at taking away the features that make cash so powerful. There's a reason why people in countries around the world actually would prefer cash versus mobile money because it gives them more self-sovereignty. It gives them more economic freedom. And so a lot of the policy and regulatory issues that limit the power of moving money have to do with stripping people of their economic freedoms. And so stripping I think people of their freedoms. We've, we've grown into a world on the internet where governments, for example, were terrified of the idea that people could use encrypted messaging, that it would strip away their ability to do law enforcement. Um, and, but, but now we take it for granted. Everyone can have encrypted messaging. They can have private communication, and there are private communication that defend that as a fundamental human right, and it matters to people in in you know for good and for bad. And I think we have to think about um, solving for these problems by building models that actually provide for forms of digital cash that have the features that make cash attractive to people. And I think on a global scale, if I can go to a uh, a corner store and buy a SIM card and put it in a phone, I can participate in the global internet and have communications and have an identity to communicate. That's Correct. possible for pretty much anyone, anywhere. Correct. Why can't I take that mobile identity and download uh, a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, digital currency wallet? There are hundreds of these today. And now be able to receive something like USDC. And I can receive that at no cost. And I can have a peer-to-peer -peer transaction that is a digital cash transaction and do that uh, and, digital and, cash transactionally and, and interoperably. Globally um, and, and interoperably. So I think that there are models that can make this work. I think policymakers and regulators have to adapt to that, as opposed to trying to get everyone to adapt to their uh, their constraints. And you can take a risk based approach here. You know, just like a you know a, a mobile sim is a, a, a certain use. 
you can take a risk-based approach. And you know, if you if you start to want to interact with an identity that is doing a larger amount, then you might have other identity requirements that that emerge. But we have to preserve digital cash. That has to work on the open internet. It has to work interoperably with anyone anywhere. That's how we're going to solve this problem. And I think we're really close. I mean, USDC itself um, has, we've seen over really three close. and a half trillion dollars of transactions directly on the internet between counterparties. Three and a half trillion and, and dollars. So, um, if we can, you know, prove it with more scalable blockchain technologies like, you know, Brad's company. If we can improve USDC with more scalable blockchain companies like Brad's company, that is the key statement there directly on the internet between counterparties and and so um if we can you know improve it with more scalable blockchain technologies like you know brad's company uh, provides that's what made me spill my coffee that statement right there made me spill my coffee usdc just admitted that they are working with ripple labs i don't care what anyone says what tinfoil hat is he tried not to make direct eye contact when he looked look at his face, he's like, was I supposed to say that? And we can make this scalable look. blockchain technologies like, you know, Brad's company. Uh, oh, provide can I say that? With more scalable blockchain technologies like, you know, Brad's company uh, provides. And we can make this extremely low cost to, to move uh, and then enable individuals with digital wallets that can uh, that can interact. And you can scale into the risk, right? Is, is scale what I like into of, the base risk. Layer. If you want to solve for this problem, governments scale have into to accept that. People want digital cash. That is a product that they People want. People want digital and cash. And from a remittance perspective, that's critical. That's the if, if you want to educate someone and say, hey, you should do this digitally, they want to know, is this as good as cash? Is can someone turn it off? Can they turn it off? Is it as good as 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 what I get when I get cash? And I think we need to answer that question definitively as a society if we want to uh, solve this remittance problem. Full stop. The, 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 the Last one. thing to think about, I think, is if you, uh, if you approach the regulators with a, you need to adapt to us, I mean, that is dead on arrival. Like I, in my experience <laughs> globally, and frankly, even here in Davos meeting with financial regulators in all kinds of countries, I, I think uh, we have to acknowledge, Ben Bernanke, the former head of the U.S. Fed, came to one of Ripple's uh, customer events, and one of the things he said is, Countries will not give up their ability to control monetary supply. They will roll tanks into the streets first because it's giving up sovereignty. And we can debate whether or not some countries at the longer tail ever had control of their money supply. <laughs> but the G20. If anybody's ever actually had whether, control of their money supply. I mean, supply. I agree with Jeremy that digital cash, or excuse me, uh, cash is anonymous and private and all those things. But if you ever walk into the bank and ask to withdraw $20,000 of cash, uh, they're going to ask you a lot of questions, at least in the United States and other G20 markets. And so I, what I think about is in terms of solving that's a risk based approach, right? It's sort of saying if you're going to if you're going to have these bearer instruments of that scale, we need to know a lot more about you. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a role that we can all. Yeah. And I'm going to stop there on that. Let me see how much more time I got. No, I think I uh, what is left in this one. Four minutes. Yeah, let's go ahead and listen to the rest of it. Play to make sure that we have regulations with more digital currencies are somehow more uh can circumvent as jeremy's described digital currencies actually in many ways are more traceable and more trackable and more you know visible and so uh in some ways i think governments should actually like it better yeah government should actually like it better so um 
you know, USDC is a dollar digital currency. It is regulated under um, uh, banking supervision. Dollar laws digital in the US. currency. It's issued by Circle, which is a regulated financial institution, and it's fully reserved by uh, in in government bonds, U.S. government treasuries, and cash. And so, it is a reliable, durable uh, dollar digital currency that works on the public internet. And so, it's. It's the sort of fastest growing trusted dollar digital currency in the world. And so from that, from the perspective of, you know, choosing something, it's a pretty good choice, I think. Um, but but it's it's also one of one of the only digital currencies that operates in a regulated context and was designed from the start uh, to to work uh, to work that way. Um, it's different than something like Bitcoin, which is is not itself regulated, uh, but it has the problem of, of price volatility, um, whereas USDC is just always a dollar. Um, USDC and is then, uh, always just a dollar. To, to the other question, second question, um, we're seeing a, a lot of adoption in emerging markets. Uh, we're seeing demand for these digital currency dollars, uh, significant demand out of Latin America, Africa, Asia, other markets, uh, because people want you know digital currency dollars, uh, and they want to be able to hold them to store value. They want to be able to transact them because they can do that easily on the internet, and they're they're also able to take advantage of things like decentralized finance. Uh, which provides opportunities for borrowing and lending and other uh, forms of financial services without being dependent on banks by just conducting those transactions uh, through uh, open uh, you know, software on the internet. Uh, so we're, we're definitely seeing, uh, seeing that demand uh, as well. Thanks, Jeremy. Brad? Uh, I agree with USDC is a great solution for one of the things you're talking about. I, and the Argentina question I thought was super interesting because I often will say I don't I usually call crypto digital assets, or I don't usually say cryptocurrency because, for all intents and purposes, I think mostly it's not a currency in the kind of consumer definition of that, except for kind of some of the tail risk around in Argentina or Zimbabwe, where you know those those governments have lost control of their currency multiple times. And if you're a wealthy person living in one of the, or even a mid, middle of the road person living in one of those countries, I'd rather not hold the currency. As opposed to mm. a digital asset, and maybe a USDC or you know a, a more traditionally defined digital asset. There's a hint. I completely agree with the question around: is the automation reg tech? If I were in the venture capital business, and to some degree, Ripple's invested in about fifty companies, so to some degree, Ripple we are, is invested in I fifty companies. I think reg tech is an underappreciated opportunity. Uh, the one risk, however, on that is that came to light as we work with a lot of banks around the world is a bank saying to me, they won't accept another bank's KYC token, if you will. You Just because you were KYC by one, one more time. another bank. Uh, the one risk, however, on that is that came to light as we work with a lot of banks around the world, is a bank saying to me, they won't accept another bank's KYC token, if you will. Mm. Just because you were KYC by one bank, you're going to get Doesn't KYC, you're by, KYC bank by another bank. Because the risk of a bad KYC to the accepting bank is so high that they won't trust the other bank. You know, that's one where it feels like, okay, uh, maybe some of our regulatory frameworks could change, but uh, I, I think you're right that RegTech's a huge investment opportunity. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. All right, so that was the catch up there. And that was a lot of information. This, yes, I know. But go back and watch that. Go see what you invest in. Go see where the stable coins are going. USDT, UST just took a tank. USDT is coming as a tank left, and everything is slowly going to move into USDC. Get a chance. Go watch Blockchain Backers. Um, 
TA stuff, man, he's been crushing it and looking at deep. He doesn't do, I don't deep dive like him, mainly because I don't deep dive like him on the stream. I deep like deep dive like that off stream. But he's a good place to go break it down for the stream and exactly what he's talking about for market caps for USDT versus USDC and where the money may be going. Um, but I'm telling you right now, these two are in Davos. And you're going to tell me XRP, Ripple Labs, it's not a done deal. And these two are in Davos. It's already done. You know what else is a done deal? This part of the segment. 30 minutes coming at you strong. Like, subscribe, 10 likes. Watch this later, share this later, try to get you some videos here, chit-chat about it a little bit, a little bit of news for you. You know what it is. Appreciate you much. This is your boy, Christian Israel. This is the end of the daily topics. Let's go ahead and hit that outro. Let's get it. Hey guys, thanks for watching. Please make sure you like, subscribe, share this video, subscribe to this channel, and do the thing that people do on social media. At Twitter, at TikTok, you know, New Creation Capital. Let us know, guys. Thanks so much. I hope you guys have a great day. Later, guys.